The Mary Trump Show with the Nerd Avengers is hitting the road. Yes, we're going to be live on May 7th at the House of Blues in Chicago, Illinois. May 9th at Cobb's Comedy Club in San Francisco, California. May 10th at the Aladdin Theater in Portland, Oregon. And on May 16th in my hometown, the Gramercy Theater in New York City. I really, really hope to see you at one of those shows. It is going to be amazing. To get your tickets, just go to politicon.com slash tour. Good afternoon, and uh, welcome to this live stream of the Mary Trump Show with... uh, a respectable showing of Nerd Avengers. Sorry, I'm a little late. I was polishing my official <laughs> fake sheriff's badge. Um, but I wanted to stop by first before I head downtown with my posse. <laughs> um, okay, so. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm, I'm happy when people laugh at me when I'm being very serious. <laughs> Uh, You know, a lot's been going on. You may have heard um, a plane took off, a bunch of SUVs drove down a road. So riveting, riveting stuff. Um, But today is, in fact, the day, the day. Uh, And I can't think of people I'd rather spend indictment day with more uh, than you all. So as far as I know, I actually haven't been uh, paying attention to the nothing that's been happening thus far. Um, But as we're we're still on for a 2.15 showing uh, in the courtroom, has anything been unsealed yet or is that going to happen? Uh, Does anybody know um, if that- The last I heard from court about 15 minutes ago is uh, when he appears, it'll be unsealed for the first time. Do All we right. know where to find it? Because I'm there are different places, and I'm just trying to be in the right one when it drops. Um, I imagine I, I'm going to the court system. Uh, yeah, Jen, I think you had it right uh, with okay. the link. Not that I would know, of course. Um, okay. I'm pretending that I would know. but I mean, like you, you Mary, all... I, I've been busy. I mean, I actually had to teach class today, and then... Can you share your some... link, by the way, Jen? Do, oh, sure. I'll, get, I'll put it um, in the chat. Yeah, and you know, I just I want to take a couple of minutes to talk about what hasn't been paid attention to in the last couple of days. Okay, uh, Jen Rubin, you tweeted about this. I could not agree with you more. I mean, we have um, this monumentally important uh, Supreme Court race happening in Wisconsin, along with a state Senate seat that will actually determine whether or not Republicans have a supermajority. In the in the Wisconsin state Senate, I mean that that is massive. I mean, you know, Jen Rubin, if you want to talk a little bit about what the implication, we talked about this last week, but just to remind people that this is not some, you know, uh, obscure state race that nobody outside of Wisconsin should care about. Well, first of all, lovely to be with all of you. Um, this is better than group therapy, or though perhaps <laughs> maybe it is group therapy. Uh, but Wisconsin. Wisconsin is important for a bunch of reasons. It's important because the Supreme Court, after this uh, latest resignation, is balanced 3-3 between three very right-wing and three relatively progressive judges. So whoever wins this race, which is today, if you haven't voted in Wisconsin, go vote, um, will essentially uh, control the Supreme Court. That means addressing an 1849 ban on abortion that is currently in effect. That means relooking at a redistricting plan that is so biased that for essentially a 50-50 state, they managed to find six of eight Republican seats. That's how bad it is. Um, It will take on everything from um, gun laws to voting rights. Um, And remember what happens in 2024. In 2024, we have another presidential election and we have state electors and we have governors who will have to certify those results. And we have all kinds of litigation, I am sure, that will ensue. 
And I think we want a Supreme Court in every state, but especially in the spring, the swing states that is going to actually call them like they see them and actually let the person who won win. So for all of those reasons, it is extremely important. And I have to say, if the progressive wins, this should be a monumental warning to the right. This is a state where a percentage or two victory is a landslide. I mean, people win yeah. statewide by 5,000, 10,000, yeah. 3,000 votes. So if this is anything more than that, it should tell the right that abortion is a galvanizing, unifying issue against them. And if they keep down this road, they're going to lose and lose again. No issue in my lifetime has more galvanized voters. And it's not just women voters, but primarily women voters yeah. in the state. So yeah. it is super important. But of course, that's not the only news that we are ignoring as we're watching paint dry on the uh, district attorney. On the runway. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, a massive protest, a school walkout in Nashville, kids mm -hmm. protesting um, a gun law um, that essentially allows some probably very discouraged young person to go in, shoot up yet another school, mow down yet another group of children. At the same time, we've just had Governor DeSantis sign a unpopular bill. When I mean unpopular, I mean 77% of Floridians oppose a concealed permitless carry gun. So you, you don't need anyone's permission to stick a gun in your pocket. I want to know that when you walk into a bank, how do they know who the robber is and who's not going to rob them? I mean, should they yeah, just shoot they you because they see you have a gun? I mean, how, do you, how does this work? In Especially if you've got to wear a mask and it's COVID. Exactly. I <laughs> well, mean, it's Florida. That's not going to happen. Right. But. <laughs> Point, point taken. So there's that news. We actually have a real president who's doing real things that went out yeah. to Minnesota yeah. yesterday to explain yet another investment in another um, facility that's going to create good paying non-college educated jobs um, in the heartland. So there's lots of news if people want to report things that are actually happening. Donald Trump sitting in his plane is not news. Donald Trump, however, being arraigned and indicted for the first time in history, that might be news. I think that's news. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I just say, suddenly it becomes, and it should become very, very clear to people, none of the nonsense outside on cable, on the streets matter at all. The question is, what if anything would the judge think of dismissing from this indictment? And if he doesn't, he's going to trial and he's going to face a jury of Manhattan jurors. Yeah. And that's all that matters. And there's yeah. a very, very good chance he will be convicted of something. And he can rant and rave. Maybe that's why he's ranting and raving. All of this crap doesn't matter. He's yeah. going to face the law. And okay. it's not the only time he faces the law, but he's going to face the law. Right, exactly. Uh, Jen, I... Switching over to Jen. Jen, I, I, I thought you were going to be able to stay. I wish I had known. I would have gone to you first. Uh, you should have told me. It's all right. I My class starts at 2, but I have to actually like, go to the classroom and stuff I like thought that. you were so, going to uh, do something different, but that's okay. No, I mean, we're going to have to watch. We're going to we're going to examine the indictment, but I can't actually cancel class. We no, no, I know. Class. I thought you were going to be able to be here. That was our last. I cares? was, but anyway. my TA can't. Yes. Yeah, okay. I understand. Can you turn on the TV in your class and watch their cheat? We don't have televisions. We have screens and internet, though. Okay. Anyway, uh, you got a couple minutes if you uh, want to preview. I mean, we know what we know is uh, we you know we don't know what's. Oh my God, you guys! <laughs> so you have to warn me ahead of time. <laughs> Um, okay, so Dahlia has to leave in two minutes. Uh, so let me stop talking. Jen, go ahead. No, Dahlia doesn't have to leave in two minutes. She's telling me I do. Oh, I, you have I, two minutes. I, so let I me stop. I have two. I have ten. I'm just giving myself extra time. <sighs> okay, you can run. Okay. <laughs> Jen, what we know is we don't know what's in the indictments. We know that there are 34 Class E felonies. Am I getting that right? And what does that mean? Well, what this means is to the extent that this is uh, business, you know, falsification of business records charges, that they are at the level that they would be felonies, not misdemeanors, again, if this is accurate. And that also means that the has to have been the intent to either further or cover up another felony. And th this is the big mystery. 
Um, there could be several different underlying uh, predicate felonies. Some of them could be federal, maybe that's a risk. Some could be state. As I've said before, it really seems a bit like a no-brainer that this has to be um, some kind of tax fraud underlying this. Because if you're if the if the records were incorrect, if this was not reimbursement for a legal expense, then if it was a personal, if this is kind of like an under the table payment. Because if this is a personal expense paid for, it's. If the Trump organization paid one of Donald Trump's personal expenses, and this is the under-the-table kind of payment for which taxes aren't paid, if it's a campaign expense and it's a legal campaign contribution by a corporation, see, corporations still can't actually literally give campaigns anything. There's all different ways to spin this. I think there's maybe even, there could even be a conspiracy charge and a scheme to defraud charge separately. Everyone keeps saying that it's only business records uh, allegations. I very much doubt that. I think there's going to have to be others um, alongside. So, you know, we'll see. But my my expectation is there's going to be some things we expect, some slightly shocking things. But just another day in the world of due process, this is the first among four indictments. It's really important to me that I eat healthy. But unfortunately, it isn't always possible to get all of the fruits and vegetables in my diet that I should have. Um, unfortunately, even though there are a lot of fruit and vegetable supplements out there, many of them use extracts of common produce department fruits and vegetables, which have few health benefits. In fact, they're so not helpful that doctors refer to them as junk science. In the current environment, we need to be more concerned about our health. We need to get rid of the junk in our lives whenever possible. That's why I take Field of Greens. It's the whole organic fruit and vegetable, not a watered-down supplement, and it's backed by a better health promise. Every ingredient in Field of Greens was scientifically chosen to support vital organs like the heart, lungs, and kidney. Others support my immune system, my blood pressure, my metabolism, and they aid healthy weight loss. I don't eat as healthy as I should all the, the time necessarily, but now that I take Field of Greens, I know I'm making an important change in my lifestyle. Like me, you'll probably look and feel healthier very quickly, and you'll have a lot more energy. Your best proof that it's working, though, will be the next time you go to the doctor's office for your checkup, and he or she says that whatever you're doing is working, keep it up. So let me get you started with 15% off. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MARY. That's promo code MARY at fieldofgreens.com. You can also find the link in my show notes. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I to, to Jen Rubin's point, I everything else is just noise. Um, I mean, uh, um, unless, of course, there's violence that that Donald has pretty much been inciting for a while now. Um, but I'm I'm guessing the NYPD is on top of it. Um, but the the you know the indictment itself, as you put it, this this kind of thing happens all the time. These kind of crimes are charged all the time. It's going to be the, what they are specifically. Um, so, Jen, do you um, do you think that? Um, the judge is going to, I mean, I'm asking you to kind of be psychic. Sorry. I'm a little all over the place today. I apologize. Uh, is going to uh, Oh my impose... goodness. We just saw a note that he's officially been arrested. Does that mean he's confined? Because that's what arrest usually means. He's been taken into he's, custody. Uh, according um, to Aleph in there, he is in, he is incarcerated. He is inside the building. All right. But he's, wow. from what I understand, he's not being handcuffed. He's not being put in a cell and he's not being having a mugshot taken like any other, like, you know, Weisselberg was, all of those things. But I I don't know. But he's I, still not free to leave? So this no, is the of definition of a custodial Absolutely. arrest. Absolutely. Yes. And that, Jen, is like one of the things about this that just shows you that Donald is, is just all bluster. He's never been in this situation before. His This is humiliating for anybody. His humiliation, the thing he's most afraid of, is being watched by the entire world um although he loves to be watched when he's presented himself in the way he wants to present himself i mean you know 
to me, the mugshot thing, people say, oh, he would try to use it to campaign on. I think he's afraid that he wouldn't have his wig on, honestly, and they're not going to do the mugshot. So. Right. But it, none of this is on his terms. Uh, none of it. And um, I'm do you think that, first of all, he had announced that he was going to speak before that clearly didn't happen. Um, I'm guessing he had something to he say probably, I was going to say, yeah, he probably wasn't allowed to um, or, you know, somebody either Secret Service or his legal team. Um, but, you know, Jen, I also. Wow, was... Mary, can I I'm sorry to cut you off, but no? I'm looking on my phone. I'm looking at the um, MSNBC feed and it's really compelling to see. All right, the Simon, can we switch? Course. Can we switch over, please? If there's something to see, there we go. Oh yeah, there's not, but they're not inside. So the camera that I'm seeing is actually inside the corridor where he's being confined. All right, so maybe um, C-SPAN? I don't know if C-SPAN's gonna, I don't know, I, I could go there. I'm looking at MSNBC, but I know you probably can't use that. Yeah, um, we can't, but. Um, but what's really interesting is it's your typical, very shiny mm -hmm. corridor with like sort of gray stone or gray. This is, by the way, the same place where Michael Cohen was reprimanded in the same quarter in which Michael Cohen was, probably the same place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I see. They're showing the doorway, the stairway that he must have come up. They're doing like this. Oh, my head hurts. Like closing shots. I mean, I have worked one before I went to law school. I worked in a court, a state uh, county courthouse in Michigan. And there's something about these courthouses that are extremely no nonsense. And you feel the there's you feel the weight of um, authority in there. I've seen people be shackled because they didn't make their bail payments. It's very, um, it can be a very threatening atmosphere even because it is so empty. There's no gilded, there's yep. nothing gilded here. This is the opposite of how he would decorate any place, any space he inhabited. I'm sure is extremely intimidating. There, oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, to, to that point, um, there will not be cameras in the courtroom, so I can't prove this is the case, but my my assumption is that when Donald gets in front of the judge, he's going to be quite docile. Uh, we've seen that in the past yes. in uh, deposit, like way past, not more recently in depositions. He just, you know, gets quiet. Um, and I, I think that's I think even he will feel the weight of this because, again, this is a unique situation for him to be in. Uh, Jen, I, I, I think we saw that um, one, one of the reasons they're not doing a mugshot is because he's so recognizable and he's not a flight risk. Do you share that opinion? I don't. Well, I don't, you know, I, he could be a flight risk, but that would require, he can't probably make his own travel plans, take you know, and yeah, I mean, maybe he'd go to, you know, the Saudi Arabia, but, you know, at this point, I just think if you look there, this is the first time his security detail is actually keeping him from leaving. I mean, this is, right. I don't know if you're getting this vibe. It doesn't, it doesn't look very comfortable. Um, it looks humiliating. Even watching this, I'm uncomfortable. With mm -hmm. that, I do have to leave and um, I will, uh, looking forward to looking at this indictment and seeing you guys on the other side. Awesome. Thank <laughs> you so much for being here for even a little bit. It was, it was great. Thank Just you. to pick up on what Jen said, very coincidentally, when I lived in Los Angeles, I actually got picked for a jury. It was a murder trial. And it happened to be, I know this is bizarre, at the same time the OJ trial was going on. Oh, so it was such a contrast between this utter zoo outside with the cameras and streets blocked off and everybody going crazy whenever you turned on your television. And as soon as you got inside that courtroom, the hallways were narrow and dingy and quiet. There was no celebrity about it. There was no panache about this. There was no opportunity for kind of gamesmanship. It is very no-nonsense. It's very sobering to be in there. And anyone who thinks that, oh, he's going to, you know, say something to the judge or he's going to, you know, be, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Aggressive, First of all, I don't think they know Donald Trump the way you do. And secondly, it just doesn't happen. It is yeah. very intimidating. And yeah. you have to remember, judges sitting up high. Oh, this is why they do these things. Mm -hmm. This is why the court is set up this way. In the robe, on the bench. Everybody stands up when he enters the room. 
you know, Donald is used to being treated that way. He's right. not brought up on the bench anymore. Yeah, sitting while everybody else is standing. And Dahlia, this judge now is one of is is a much more powerful person in his way than Donald Trump. And I think it's fair to say that judges have healthy egos. He's not going to put up with any of whether it's in person, which as Jen says is highly unlikely, or via Truth Social. Is he? Uh, you know, he's in a tough spot, Mary, because um, I, I, I put up, I posted today, uh, this morning, a Q&A with Renell Anderson-Jones, who teaches First Amendment law uh, in Utah. He's threading a tough needle, right? There are very, very compelling interests here, First Amendment interests of the press, First Amendment interest of Donald Trump as a candidate uh, for president, uh, and there are compelling security interests. There is a lot going on. And it is very, very hard to imagine how the judge is going to navigate what is just literally a First Amendment minefield right now. But I think one theme that you're hearing from everybody who's spoken here today is what happens when Donald Trump himself is not stage managing this thing. He's not the writer. He's not the producer. He's not the director. He's not in charge of the props or the sets. And there is nothing he can do to whisper to people like, make this look better for me. There's no one to do that. And as a consequence, you are seeing, I mean, folks are seeing this historic, you know, as Jen Rubin just said, this gray, depressing. This is what it is like for a criminal defendant anywhere in the country. They just don't get golden toilets and wastebaskets. And this is an amazing moment to see that this is how the rule of law operates for everyone. And to the extent we've been having this high octane fight for the last couple of months about the rule of law and to whom it applies, this is quite literally a natural experiment. This is a movie of yes. how the rule of law operates. Yeah. And for people who say Donald Trump should be above the law, this is an amazing template for how this goes. The one other thing I just want to say, because we've been talking about other news today that we're ignoring, including Wisconsin, uh, we have a federal appeals court panel rejecting Donald Trump's bid to block his top aides from testifying to Jack Smith's January, January 6th investigation. That just happened, including some pretty conservative uh, uh, jurists. I just want to let like really highlight, we may be at the moment, and you know I'm not apt to exaggerate or even be optimistic, where the emperor's new clothes gig is literally turning into domino, 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 domino of people saying, oh, well, if he's not immune, if he's untouchable, if he's not sacred and holy, then I'm in too. And this is the thing we've been watching, right? We keep saying just because this is the first indictment doesn't mean it's the first trial. Doesn't mean That's it's right. the first, uh, you know, big, big shoe to drop. And I think we should, it, it, to the best of our abilities, cabin what's happening here. I'm very much on board for watching paint dry uh, is a dumb waste of our time. And also, uh, uh, you know, that possibly after today, we're going to watch nothing happen out of the Manhattan DA's office for weeks. That's right. And at the same time, let's just be really clear that this is feeling like the beginning of a whole bunch of other things that we've been waiting for for a long time. Yeah, hang on one second, hang on one second, Brian. Okay, and then and then you're going to go. But I just want to uh, a couple things. First of all, we're in charge of the props. That's one. Two, another thing we, we haven't has got no attention is Finland joined NATO. That is groundbreaking, earth shaking in its importance, especially vis-a-vis -vis Russia and Ukraine. Um, and you know, don't get me wrong. I, uh, I mean, I don't happy don't, isn't quite the right word, but, um, I'm quite pleased at what's happening. However, also feeling the weight of the moment, feeling a little shaky <laughs> because this is our country here. And this, it is, it is a, a terrible thing. It's an amazing thing. He's being held accountable. The rule of law is prevailing. It's a terrible thing that it came to this, you know, that, that so many people were deluded into thinking that this person should, should have the kind of power he's had, but you know, long time coming. And, you know, like you, Dahlia, I think it's, it's the first of many dominoes. And I think the dominoes are going to get bigger, although we'll find out what's in these indictments. And, um, uh, Brian, I, we, we have been um, 
seeing how uh, the media have kind of <laughs> failed us. Um, but one thing that I'm finding really fascinating and that is also kind of an experiment in happening in real time is the extent to which this completely blows up the notion if they're coming for me, they're coming for you. I don't see anybody else being indicted in New York today. I don't see anybody else's life getting uh, appropriately un upended because the law rule of law came for them. This is just happening to Donald Jessica Trump. <laughs> well, Dahlia said something, you know, that uh, those who think that he's above the law and you just said the, the actual language that they use as if he can, they can come after Donald Trump, they can come after you. Yeah, they can. That's called the rule of law. And no one is above it. And of course, they're going to come for you if you break the law. This is, I, I feel as you do, Mary, I feel it's a bittersweet moment in history. On the one hand, um, we are, the supporters of Donald Trump said we're a banana republic if we go after Donald Trump. And I'd say, no, we're a banana republic if we do not. So in as much as we are proving today that there are not two tiers of justice in this country, that justice comes for everyone, then it restores my faith in our justice system. But speaking it, as an American, it's also a bit disheartening that the man who soiled the, his laundry in the White House for four years and brought us to such low places, um, it's exposing him for what he is. This is, I don't think there's going to be a trial before the election. I don't think anybody, I think mm -hmm. Donald Trump, even if he li lives to be the 200 years that Dr. Ronnie Cox said he <laughs> would that day in the White House when he told us that, even if Donald Trump lives to be 200, the rest of his life is going to be sent, be spent in a criminal and probably a, a, a other court. I mean, he's going to be in criminal court and he's also going to be uh, in lawsuits involved yep. in them for the rest of his life. So civil and criminal action. I don't think that he's above the law in what you said earlier is so true. Remember, it was Roy Cohen who was, you know, the, the family attorney who said, don't get arrested because you lose control of the narrative. This is the point in time where Donald Trump is unraveling. It is he will lose control of the narrative. He will never get it back. He has already. He faces charges. And I mean, Mar-a-Lago's coming quick. I, I think this one came quickly because of the fact that we're facing um, statute of limitations at five years for the felony in, in soon. So I think this is why this one jumped off more quickly. I think then you're going to look at Mar-a-Lago. I, I've often likened this to a, a, you know, everyone says it's a knockout punch. And I go, all right, fine. If you want to use the boxing analogy, and I boxed as a kid, this is the jab, which sets up the body blow, which is going to be a Mar-a-Lago, which sets up the uppercut, which is going to be Georgia. And the haymaker that knocks him out is going to be January 6th. Yeah, so I, as those I, all unravel. I think that Donald Trump is done. And I don't think he'll be on the, on the ballot in 2024, I think it's a cleansing uh, moment for this nation. I don't think we're going to see the violence that Donald Trump would like us to see. And I think at the end, since he's lost control of the narrative, he won't get it back. Yeah. And as a martial artist, I just want to say that the jab is an extraordinarily effective. Yeah, it's how uh, you set everything else up. Absolutely. But, you know, and again, I don't want to get too too deep into this because we'll know soon. I don't necessarily think that this case is uh, is just a, a jab. I think there might be a you know a serious blow landed here because yeah. uh, go, go ahead, Jen. You know, a couple things. First of all, one of the reasons why we weren't supposed to go after him was this implicit threat that his people would rise up. We'd have an actual civil war. We'd have violence in the streets. Having taken that step and seeing that nobody much cares on either side, <laughs> or at least they don't care enough even to turn out along the highway in Florida. They surely don't care enough to turn out in Manhattan. It's like, no, he's not going to lead a civil war. And our police departments around the country are more than capable of handling any kind of disturbance. And guess what? Most of these violent nuts that he can lead into violence are in jail for January 6th. 
That's not to say Mario. there aren't proud boys out there, there aren't three percenters, there aren't people who are dangerous out there, but the vast majority of them are um, not in a position to mount a, another uh, raid. And frankly, at this point, the FBI and the rest of the intelligence community, uh, I think it's going to be a little bit better about monitoring um, the various social media platforms. The other thing, you know, once you've taken the step, once you've ripped the bandage off and say, oh, we can try him just like any other person, then you realize what ensues. And to Brian's point about a small but not so small um, group of cases, there is the civil case brought yeah. by police officers and members of Congress coming out of January 6th. There's the E. Jean Carroll trial, which is going to start in a matter of weeks in New York, litigating both defamation and his alleged sexual assault. There is going to be a slew of these cases. And in some of them, Trump taking the Fifth Amendment is going to be used against him, as mm -hmm. in the uh, civil cases. And in other cases, his loudmouth declarations at rallies and the rest are going to be used against him. That yeah. Sean Hannity interview he did is going to come back to bite him in the Mar-a-Lago case when he says, yeah. no, I had a right to take this stuff. You mean when he confessed to a crime on yeah, live exactly. television? Because yeah. he's so dumb that he doesn't realize that when he's saying these things that they are injurious to himself and he has no impulse control. Last yeah. thing I would say is my, I suspect he is going to get a warning today, which is mm -hmm. don't you be threatening the DA. Don't you be threatening them again court because if you do, you will be back here on a gag order or on confinement. And then he's going to have to think all the way back as he goes back to Florida. Should I really have that press conferences? I've been promising everyone. Yeah. And yeah. if I do, do I wind up like taking the round trip back to New York and getting um, in trouble with this judge? So yeah. as you say, right now, he's not in control of it. And when he starts mouthing off, it's not just Donald Trump mouthing off. It's Donald Trump potentially mouthing off and getting a gag order or having him oh, the, the defendant um and you know just uh I, i'm burning question are we going to have to watch the plane flying back to florida on our televisions um but brian uh, dolly said this a couple of weeks ago um which is it's really difficult to make a case like this about the future of american democracy like it's very difficult to involve your followers in this uh, in the way he was able to uh his lies about a stolen election yeah. and as as jen just said you know everybody who um or not everybody a lot of people involved are in prison serving as a warning to those who might be considering engaging in violence and again uh you know to your point <laughs> brian uh, which you're gonna uh, walk us through I, I don't think uh, NYPD or the Capitol Police or any other law enforcement entity is going to let that happen again. No, they're, I, they're well prepared. Uh, the NYPD is every, all, all hands on deck. <laughs> there are people that are wearing uh, the uniform right now that have been in detective suits and haven't worn uniforms for years. Same in the uh, D.C. and the Capitol Police. These people are well prepared. The Secret Service is well prepared. And, and I just want to add to you a quote that was given to me by a New York city police officer. If Donald Trump thinks he's going to summon violence into this country, let us be reminded that we live in a violent country already where we've had 132 mass shootings this year. That's at the rate of one and a half a day. Does Donald Trump think he's going to add to that? We're prepared for the violence that we yeah. have to face. Donald Trump isn't going to add anything more than threats. So yeah. I think that when you look at it that way, the only ones that will have to suffer are, are going to be those poor people in Florida who are going to have to end up, you know, dealing with the Ron DeSantis who, you know, shot his mouth off and said, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to force to extradite the guy. Well, who cares? Donald Trump has to come in. Donald Trump did come in. He's lost control of the narrative. He's not going to it's not going to be the violence that people preach. And so we'll have to see what happens after that. And I, I know we've lost Mary for it for a second, but uh <laughs> Dahlia, you had something to add to it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I was going to say kind of connected to what you just said, Brian, which is on, on the one um, on the one level, one of the 
things that is becoming so manifest is that there are truly two Americas. And when Donald Trump shows up in New York, oh, well, we got something happening. When Donald Trump shows up in New York, it's not his New York anymore. And when no. Marjorie Taylor Greene shows up in New York, it's certainly not her New York. Never uh, and it's really interesting uh, if that's the case and Donald Trump is not in charge of the stage or the set in New York anymore. Uh, then it's fascinating because that's Donald Trump's New York, right? The one that never accepted him as a New Yorker. And that was a point of huge existential pride for him. Just the other thing I want to say that I think is so uh, uh, fascinating is the extent to which the law is just slow. And we've been talking about this yeah. a lot that, you know, there's a slow food, food movement and a slow law movement. And for the people who are like, oh, my God, this sprung out of nowhere, this Alvin Bragg case, this <laughs> case has been building for years. Five, Jack Smith five years. has been building his case for a long time. Fonnie is building her case. None of this stuff happened overnight. And I think that part of the problem with the TV presidency is that we expect TV law to go with it. Yes. And just because we don't see investigations, we don't see what the grand jury is doing, we don't know what's being uh, put forward as evidence, we get these cockamamie ideas that this sprung fully formed out of nowhere. And I think we should just be really mindful if we hold up the one truth, which is Donald Trump is not writing, directing, or organizing, or stage managing this, that the process that is doing that is doing so largely invisibly, largely under the surface over many, many years. And a TV presidency loses all force under a actual meticulous, scrupulous rule of law. Yeah, it takes a lot longer to prosecute you for breaking the law than it does to break the law. Donald yeah. Trump's finding that out today. And I said five years, and that's just the 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 hush money thing. I yeah. mean, the tax issue. Cy Vance was on this. I, you know, so this is this is going, I think, again, uh, we'll know soon. This is going to wrap up a lot of things. And, you know, to Dolly's point, this has never been Donald Trump's New York. Um, it is it is not his in a completely different way now. Right. And um, the fact I don't know if you guys heard this. He was calling for a change of venue to Staten Island. <laughs> Oh, good Lord. <laughs> just made my day. Marjorie Taylor Greene entered her vehicle to be whisked away from the Manhattan courthouse. <laughs> Donald Trump sits an arrested man. Congressman Jamal <laughs> Bowman shouted, get her out of here. <laughs> Marjorie Taylor yeah. Greene needs to take her blank back to Washington and do something about gun violence. Listen, I mean, at least she's undoing some of the damage that 60 Minutes did by, you know, elevating yes. her in that great right. way. You know, one thing that this points out is the importance of venue. Um, that's yeah. a fancy term for where the trial is going to be held. And I will say one of the big issues in the Mar-a-Lago case is where that is going to be tried. Is it going to be tried in D.C., where the documents were originally taken from? Is it going to be tried in Florida, where arguably um, a good deal of the obstruction took place? It is not a incidental issue because under uh, a whole body of case law, if you get guess wrong and it's dismissed, you cannot try them in the other jurisdiction. It would be oh, double that's double jeopardy. jeopardy. Oh so my gosh! If you guess wrong, the consequences are very great. Second issue well. is depending upon whether you're in state court or federal court, or whether you're in Manhattan or D.C. or Florida, the jury pool is going to be very different. And one of the reasons that Donald Trump, there's quite a lot of action in this hallway as people. Yeah, are, it looks uh, like something uh, might be brewing. Um, but um, there are just a lot of people standing around for now. Um, one of the reasons. They all want their 15 minutes. Yeah, wants to get there. And I don't know enough about the New York court system to know that if you have a trial in uh, Staten Island, your jurors only come from Staten Island. I tend to think that's probably not right, but I will stand to be corrected. No, um, I think it's local because it has to, you know, you can't ask somebody to travel from Queens to Brooklyn. It's very but far. Even the difference between state court, where it may just be Fulton County in Florida versus the Northern District of uh, Florida, which has a great deal of conservative red state America in it. These things become really important. And you see it right here. 
it has a very different feel when you're in a Manhattan courtyard courtroom and in a, a quarter than it does in, you know, Mar-a-Lago or out on the golf course. The whole thing just feels different. I want to hear the gong 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 gong. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Dahlia if Dahlia Lithwick gets her way and George Santos is lead counsel, we we might oh, get the whole Brad. order. We just saw Mr. Bragg walk through behind uh -huh. the police uh, folks. We have not seen the Donald right, yet. That, that the suggest that the I like the guy's have, purple tie though. It's very. I like it. The whole yes. Group. We don't know whether the gentleman is a Secret Service or one of the police officers, but it's uh, and it Did looks Secret very Service agents wear colors. I thought they no. had to wear black uh, and white. Secret Service agents are are dressed like men in black usually. Yeah, that's very what I'm saying. Nondescript. Um, and that looks like a quite expensive suit that he's wearing. Not that yeah. Secret Service agents can't wear expensive suits. I'm just assuming they don't get paid very well, considering the incredibly dangerous job they do. Um, I mean. Having to be around Donald all the time the way, would be very dangerous. People, they're going to have to testify in Mar-a-Lago. This is okay. like another first. You know, yeah. Donald has treated these people like his personal manservants who are, you know, probably supposed to help him move around documents. Oh. The fact that they may now testify against him. There are many and of them. The I know. down the road are not going to like this uh, decision because, right. you know, he thinks there's some, you know, confidentiality no 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 they're witnesses they're well, witnesses well, oh sorry we just lost dahlia for a second but i, I want to go to dahlia quickly there um but since she's uh uh oh good um because i think that's a really interesting um wrinkle here dahlia we're talking about the secret service now I, you know as jen just pointed out i think protectees assume that there's absolute uh privilege just as with an attorney and a client but as we've learned recently that privilege can be pierced under certain circumstances legally the crime fraud exception and i'm assuming with the secret service like helping him commit crimes also right so there's got to be some kind of exception um but what's interesting i mean i don't know do they hate him maybe some of them do yes. but we saw the the head of the secret service agency was his buddy like was was like yeah, but who was that? That was the guy that he, he. It was the guy that he put there. The long-term Secret Service agents, and I mean, I've worked with them for years. They are not fond of Donald Trump. You could hear him yelling, like you said, Mary. They, they he treated them like they were his maid servants. Uh, okay, though, but, but they don't like him. But I okay, I want to Dahlia, if you know, um, wasn't there when when President Biden came into office? Wasn't there? like serious concern that the, the secret service had been infiltrated by Trump supporters to the, ex I said, Trump supporters, not my supporters by Donald supporters who, um, you know, and they were worried that they were not going to do their job properly. If they, when, when protecting president Biden. So they had to like re jigger the whole system and, and get in and get in agents who were at least neutral. Am, am I, am I wrong about that? I don't think I know this as well as Brian does. I think I just oh, want to. I just want to um, suggest a remember Mike Pence not wanting to get in the car yes. uh, on January six because right. he didn't feel safe. And what does that signal to you? And also, I think think about the number of law enforcement, ex-military, ex-law enforcement that were involved uh, in January 6th. So I think that you're quite right, Mary, to sort of highlight that there is an unspoken ongoing problem of who has been radicalized. Uh, but I think I'm going to defer to Brian on this question okay. of whether Trump's Secret Service uh, wasn't reliably uh, 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 able to protect Biden in Biden's estimation. Right. Not mine. I am my own law enforcement. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so Brian, as you point out in the chat, Secret Service agents work for the government, not for the person in the Oval Office. However, I can't remember who, there's a really fascinating book about the Secret Service and how it's just kind of been uh, declining over the decades. And, you know, there there is a lot of partisanship. Like there are secret, they hated Hillary Clinton with an absolute vengeance, right? Uh, they, you know, a lot of them have shown allegiance to, and part of that is um, preconceptions. Uh, you know, people do have political beliefs that they bring with them into their job. Part of it, like on, on the other side of it, uh, you know, when you develop 
positive feelings towards your protectee. It's because you spent a lot of time with that person. Um, so Brian, uh, what do you think it means that there could, has this ever happened before that secret service uh, agents have had to testify no, no, no. in a trial you know, uh, involving their protectee? Donald Trump always wanted to make history and he's doing it every day, but not in the way he wanted. It's one of the or, few things he's quite good at. Yeah. <laughs> Flying by the seat of his pants and rubbing his butt on the ground while he does it. And oh, yeah. That's an image I really didn't need in my head. <laughs> but, yeah, right. <laughs> hey, I live with four years of that. I, you know, and you've had a lifetime. I, God bless you. That's, but um, I, I think the Secret Service, yeah, uh, all of the, all of what you say is true. That that is exactly, you know, they they bring their own uh, their own bias to their job. But these people are very well trained. Um, the Secret Service are not only well trained, but uh, the ones I've worked with are very professional. And the uniformed people who cover the president are the people who are at the top of their game, and they'll lay their life on the line for the president, they will. But at the end of the day, they know who they work for. And um, there were all, he brought in a guy that loved him, right? Who who was on his campaign, I believe, that he brought him, them into the Secret Service. And there was some some poisoning of, of the water. But you look at it now, and that well is not poisoned. And those people are circulated out, and they know who those people were. And the people that are left, there were a lot of people. And like I said, I heard it on many occasions Inside, I'd be up in upper press, and you could. I heard Donald Trump yelling at Rance Priebus to turn the lights down and the and turn down the thermostat in the Oval Office. I heard him yell at his Secret Service people to pick things up, get out of my way, move. I heard him use the F word on him. These people, many of them, were not fond of Donald Trump. But all of that aside, and for good reason, because he's an ass. But all of that aside. They'll do their job if they're called if they saw something and they were they're called before a grand jury. I think they'll do their job right. I I have faith in that. I, listen, I mean, why? Who wants to commit perjury? I, I don't. I don't think that's. <laughs> they, they'll take a bullet for the president, but not jail time. And <laughs> you know, I think I think one thing this is going to do, and it's related to what what we were talking about earlier, is just reveal to people who maybe have been reluctant to face the truth uh, in front of their eyes uh, for various reasons that he's really not worth it. You yeah. know, he's not, he treats people horribly unless he thinks that he can get something out of them. Right. So Jen, Sometimes I, even if it's he can get something out of them. He treats them like crap. Well, uh, sure. But that's up to the person. I mean, yeah. you know, there's some people who seem to like it. Um, I think he's been in the courtroom for a while. He's already surrendered and he's, you know, he yeah. needs to plead. Wait, but we're all watching this door now as if he's going to come through and walk over. Oh, and by the way, guys, he's going to be coming from the other direction if he comes through this way at all, I'm guessing, because yeah. he's already inside. So right. anyway. So I think the fact that we're all watching these guys and there's all this shuffling is so typical of cable TV as if yeah. this has some kind of meaning. Uh, I'm just watching, I'm watching you guys. Yes, it's going on someplace else and by the way that indictment as we speak is being unsealed because that's what happens at yeah. the arraignment you know it's kind of weird um the indictment is has been unsealed and now he has to give a plea there has to be some period of time where he actually gets to read the thing i would assume so this may take you know a few minutes but he's going to enter obviously i don't want anyone to read, read it to me i cannot read Okay. okay. Right. Exactly. Um, exactly. It may be the longest document he's ever had to read. Um, and, um, you know, and then he's going to do his thing and then he's, the judge is going to have whatever um, pretrial, um, you know, uh, requirements. Motion. And then they're going to set a hearing for any pretrial motions. Mm -hmm. And when the judge hears those and after he hears those and dismisses those, then they're going to set a trial date. And that's how ominous this process is it's like it doesn't matter what he's saying it doesn't matter what polls say the process goes forward and once you are it's a good you know why cohen had something it's a good idea not to get arrested because most people who wind up arrested within the criminal justice system 
do get convicted, even if they plead out. Um, the system has an inextricability about it um, that simply grinds through the process. And, um, you know, there are many protections for individual defendants, but there is this whole machinery of the law that is there. Um, and um, at that pretrial motion, by the way, he'll have all of his crap motions for removal for yeah. change of venue for dismissal for whatever else and i suspect that they all get handled in one hearing and then yeah. after they clear the decks then he gets a trial date yeah and dahlia i mean first of all i was kind of hoping that the the indictments would be unsealed either right before or simultaneously with so we would have access to them but that doesn't seem to be happening but you know with um 34 felony indictments doesn't that increase the chances, Dahlia, that one of them is going to stick? You know, I mean, this is just that again. You know, we've all been saying this for for two weeks. Um, it's so like incredibly reckless for us to spitball about what is in the indictment. And you know, as as Jen Taub said before she left, uh, we just don't know. We don't know. And uh, when it gets bootstrapped to something that could be. Uh, campaign violations, tax violations. We really, really don't know what we don't know. So I think it remains really a, a deeply complicated conversation for us to be having. I mean, I think we, as as between watching doors and yeah. listening to us try to figure out what's going on behind the doors, um, it's just like this is the most meta uh, surreal thing. But I guess I would say this. Some of these uh, are really tricky. There's an interplay between state and federal law. There are questions about statutes of limitations. There's a lot underlying the, that which we don't know that makes it very hard to determine what's happening and what will stick. I will say it does not feel like Alvin Bragg came to play. Uh, it yeah. feels like this is a very, very serious and thorough uh, uh, indictment. And I think, again, this is going to happen slowly. Don't let, I, I, I'm cracking up, Mary, because I've been covering the Supreme Court for 23 years and we get decisions on the website at 10 and at 10.02, we're expected to have read all 187 pages mm -hmm. and explain them. This is not how the law works. In fact, this is how we make catastrophic reporting errors. So my right. inclination is to just like wait and see the substance mm -hmm. of what the charges are and then we can um, all kind of declaim on whether uh, uh, something's going to stick. Again, I think it's just so, so, so important to see this in the context of everything else that's about to come and about to happen and to just see this as a piece of a puzzle and a just general sensibility that he who has always said for his entire life that law is for suckers and accountability is for suckers just kind of looks like just kind of looks like a sucker. Right he's sucking yeah. So, state, so listen, so let's stop with the meta. I, I just, I do think it's fair to point out that this wouldn't be happening if there were a weak case. It just, I, that, the, 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 that just is beyond comprehension to me. So that speculation doesn't, isn't worth going into, but I, I just want to, uh, maybe we should end soon. Um, and if anybody's around later, I know Bragg is going to be making a statement and, you know, hopefully the indictments will be unsealed and and maybe Jen Tab can come back. Uh, so, you know, if you guys are available later, I'll let you know if we're going to hop back on uh, even briefly to to um, sum up. But I, I think it is very it's worth pausing for a second. You know, so much gets normalized, has gotten normalized. Um, and I think that's part of why we got here. But it is not normal when there are serious worries that violence is going to break out simply because a man who will be allowed to go free after this hearing is finally facing some accountability like thousands of people do every day. I think it's a really good thing that we are that thus far these cases well George, well Georgia Atlanta's probably fine. You know, are not in places where there is a massive base of support for Donald. I think that's when violence is more likely. We've seen Brian today some of his followers just behaving despicably. 
Um, and, you know, physically, like grabbing things from people and, you know, getting in people's faces, which, of course, makes me think there's still COVID and nobody's wearing a mask. But anyway, so so, Brian, like that, I don't think that we should just slide over that because, no, that tells us right. a lot about, you know, who he is and who they are. Well, Donald has shown us his entire life, as you well know, better than anyone else, who he is. And the moment he made fun of a handicapped reporter, I knew who he was. And I had I never watched his damn show and didn't care to because I, I thought he was a, a con man from the beginning. Because you have a life? Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, the lies that Donald Trump tells couldn't pass muster at my dad's breakfast table. But nonetheless, <laughs> he, you know, he, I, I just thought he was a Do bad people pastor. try a lot at your dad's? You and I have had that discussion. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but at the end of the day, um, Donald Trump supporters, I think, will continue to, like an onion, be peeled away from him until you'll have the hardcore left, and that's it. And are they going to cause trouble? Yes. Are they going to be rude? Yes. Marjorie Taylor Greene has no idea how to act like a human being or a responsible adult. So you, you don't expect that of her. But quit giving these people oxygen. And that's, you know, the ones in the public limelight need to be denied the oxygen, which is why I'm upset with what 60 Minutes did, because if that that encourages it. That encourages more of that activity. They didn't, you know, it, I would have handled that interview entirely differently, but so would Edward R. Murrow. They, they bent over backwards because they thought they were going to get ratings. Is that a little humble brag? Right? <laughs> yeah, even that guy. But it, at the end of the day, you're going to see that, um, yeah, you're, you're right, Mary. There's there, These people will not act responsibly. They haven't yet. I don't expect them to. But I do expect that their numbers are smaller than uh, we suspect. The threats from Donald have always been threats and nothing more than bullying threats. Yeah. Stand up to them face him down and hold his ass accountable. The whole thing. Yeah. Just, just one quick um, coda to what Brian and, and, and you both just said, Mary, which is, um, you know, we've talked so often over the shows about stochastic terror and calls for, you know, ar arming yourself and self-help. And I think in some sense, everything we're seeing in New York right now and all everything, by the way, that intelligence folks have told us about what was coming in New York the last couple of days. I mean, they just said the chatter is not like what they were hearing before January 6th, that, you know, the, the, the bloom is off the like, you know, rose. Nobody is super interested in going to jail for a bunch of years for Donald Trump as he is being, let's say it again, indicted for hush money payments to an adult film actress. This isn't a democracy moment. This is a moment of, you know, like sad and tragic, finally accountability for somebody who's grifted his whole life. And so I think one of the things um, I wrote a kind of snarky piece last night saying we should just ferberize Trump, like let him cry it out in his crib. You know, if you've ever had a baby, <laughs> just like you ferberize him, you know, you let him cry. <laughs> Folks are coming out. I, I think this is the moment to just let him cry it out. <laughs> Ferberize the Donnie. <laughs> Get a little swaddling thing, action going on. <laughs> just cry it out, Don. You'll be over. Just cry it out. You'll be all right. Just, oh my goodness gracious! Dahlia. That's just, you know that would be the the biggest punishment for Donald Trump is denying him the uh, ability to stand in front of people on wine. <laughs> yeah, and put him in a room without a mirror. Yeah, you know, and, and accountability is done like that. Um, Okay, so uh, 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 here we go. Yeah, he looks happy. Docile. In custody. That um, is all um, you're going to see of him. He's pled. He's got. He's been. It's been read to him, and he's out. <clears throat> um. Obviously, they. I mean, I'm going to assume that they had to have the camera there. Not, not knowing when he was going to come out of the right. room and I was wrong because I didn't realize that was the doesn't matter <laughs> he didn't come the other way um I uh I found that two seconds fascinating and it told me everything we needed to know about how he's taking this yes I, I mean I don't know if you guys agree but um soberly was, uh I that's not the word I would choose Oh, I, I you mean like crapping his pants a little? He's terrified. <laughs> yeah, that's 
absolutely terrified and humiliated in a way he has never experienced humiliation except maybe when he was five and my dad dumped a bowl of mashed potatoes on his head maybe i don't know your dad that was um that was something wow Simon, play that again for us full screen i'd like i have a strange feeling we'll see that image many many times uh, hey, hey, listen, it's better than watching a plane idling on the tarmac. That's Leslie Stahl would yeah, say. I, wow. <laughs> yes, the hard-hitting Leslie Stahl would say, wow. That, that was just a, that was shameful. Um, all right. Well, you know what? Let's, I, unless you guys want to have anything um, else, I think let's wrap it up there. I think that was worth, uh, I mean, we had a, an amazing conversation, so it's fine that we had a hallway in the background. But um, thank you both. Uh, thanks, Jen Tom, Jen Rubin, Dolly Lithwick, Brian Karam, my nerds. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'll touch base with you later if anything develops, which I'm sure it will. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.